The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Because we were just talking before the show, when you ask someone, how are you, do you really care what the person says? And is anything other than, I'm fine, a breach of etiquette? We are compelled to ask a question about which we give zero craps. I hope you're doing well. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when we ask that question as human beings, we really don't care. Asked me how I was doing before the show started. I said I'm one week closer to dead than I was last week, so celebrate. I'm not going to say how are you because we've established we don't care. So I'm just going to ask you what's going on. Not that not I care about that either. And I say this with all sincerity and authenticity. How are you? I am doing so well, Mike. I'm not going to ask you, how are you today? Because I don't care now, and I never do, and you never care how I am. I'm glad that you want me to be doing well. I hope that you're doing well as well, Mike. And uh, You don't. You don't. You want me to die, and you want to take over. I'm not stupid. I'm not going to say that out loud on the air. (laughs) It's a Friday edition of PFT Live. Miles Simmons. Mike Florio, you know, of all the things that just could have organically become our thing, it's this stupid how are you thing. Uh, And of all the people that I've done the show with over the years, that's never happened. I have no idea why all of a sudden how are you is a thing, but it is. How are you? It's it's just triggered you for whatever reason. I don't know why it triggered you with me, but it has totally triggered you. And I don't I don't know what to do about that. But Mike, I say this with all sincerity and all heartfelt whatever in my heart. You know, how are you this morning? I really hope that you are having a great Friday. See, the way you say it, it's got that Eddie Haskell quality to it. And you have no idea who Eddie Haskell is. So- That's how this all got started. That's exactly, now I remember, that's how it all got started. The insincere, I really hope you're doing fine. Anyway, we hope all of you out there are doing fine. It's a fine Friday morning. It's March the 19th. Had to take a look down and check because this week has been dizzying as far as the NFL is concerned. Free agency started on Monday, even though it didn't really start until Wednesday. We had 52 hours of free agency. And then even since Wednesday, it's been more action and trades and signings and other things that make the NFL very interesting during a week where there are plenty of other real sports going on, including March Madness. The NFL still continues to dominate. We're going to talk over the next two hours about how the NFL dominated the day on Thursday, the first day of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Let's begin in Chicago, where Bears fans, I don't know whether they are resigned to their fate I don't know where that I I just I know that that it didn't go over well. People I know in Chicago have made it clear to me that the Andy Dalton signing did not go over well. I don't think there's anything they could have done short of getting Russell Wilson miles that could have gone over well. And the good news about this before we hear from Andy Dalton, the good news about this, as far as the Bears organization is concerned, they have stumbled into a situation where the bar for this year is low. Not many playoff teams have a low bar the next year. 
And I don't think they're smart enough, frankly, to do this intentionally, all due respect. It just kind of happens. I don't think any team is smart enough to deliberately manipulate expectations. I think that for Chicago, they just kind of tripped into this with Andy Dalton being signed, the bar being low. Well, maybe, but aren't they basically in a win-now-or-else situation with their front office with Matt Nagy, with Ryan Pace? I mean, that is sort of at least the vibes that I got from McCaskey as he was making those statements just after the season and when they decided to keep him, right? So I I don't know if the bar is all that low, even though they're just signing Andy Dalton and everybody doesn't expect much from them now. I think it's a factor. What the fans think by way of whether or not the team is successful is going to be a factor in what ownership thinks as to whether or not the team is successful. And in every city that has an NFL team, there is a general belief, expectation. Uh, you know, you, you, your Browns dealt with it two years ago when yeah. Freddie Kitchens just kind of stumbled around while the bar was allowed to go sky high and it was impossible to meet it. And they had a decent season, all things considered, especially in comparison to other Brown seasons of recent years. But it was viewed as an abject failure because the bar was too high. So, yeah, they're under a mandate to win now. But what does that mean? Is getting to the playoffs enough? Hey, when when the vibe in Chicago is, bah, we don't know uh, the, the hell with these guys. If you get to the playoffs, you have you have surpassed expectations, in my opinion. Okay, but I mean, and granted, now that there are seven teams in each conference, I guess that makes it a little bit easier, as it did for them this year. You know, making the playoffs at eight and eight. But I don't know, man. Are, are they are they better? Than they were, and we still have to get through the draft, and there's still plenty of time and free agency left. But are are they really better? I I just don't know that I'm thinking that they're going to be eight and eight or eight eight and one, you know, nine and eight, eight and nine, and that's going to be enough to get them into the postseason. I mm, I don't I don't know, Mike. I think when you sign Andy Dalton, that's it's <laughs> you know it, it it it's not good. It, it's not good. I'm impressed that you're already factoring the 17th game into <laughs> your estimate. That's good. Eight, eight, and one. Ugh, that sounds horrible. But really at does. least they're at least barring trade or ties, trades, ties, same thing. They do who we mean. Eight and eight is gone. Eight and eight's gone now. I love. I I hate eight and eight. I hated seven and seven when there were 14 games. Nine and eight or there eight were 14 and nine. Games? No, I'm just kidding. Quiet. Just quiet. Uh, uh, but but uh, 9 and 8 or 8 and 9, let's be above 500 or below 500. There's not going to be any 500 football unless somebody is 8, 8, and 1 in a given season moving forward. But you know what, though? When they go to 19 it's gonna, or 18, it's going to be back because then it's going to be 9 and 9. Uh, and it's just a matter of time before they go to 18. All right, here's Andy Dalton from yesterday on the question of whether or not he – is the top guy on the depth chart now and moving forward. You know, you're talking as if you're the starter. What kind of what kind of assurances have you been given by the Bears uh, that they're done at quarterback, that they're not going to be making any, any other moves to bring in more competition for you? The, they, they told me I was a starter. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. And so every conversation I've had is uh, has been that. So um, that's the assurance that I've got. You know, it's funny. That question began with the mildly accusatory. You're talking as if you're the starter. Did you notice? I, I, I have to go back and do a frame by frame. I don't know whether there was a little middle finger swipe down the left ear there like we saw. I don't know if that's what it was. But I don't think, you know, he, he wasn't real thrilled with being challenged on this point, Miles. And yeah, hey, this wouldn't be the first veteran free agent who is told he's the starter the day that he signs in March and then is watching the draft in late April and when the team for which he's the starting quarterback is on the clock, drafts a quarter. There it is. There it is. Well done. I think he's scratching his face with his middle finger. Hey, you who asked him that question, take that. Um, But, yeah, hey, there's a chance they're going to take a quarterback at number 20, depending upon how the picks fall. And then he's still the starter until he isn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, that question, I hadn't heard that before we just listened to that sound, and that made me laugh, man. Like, it, you're talking as if you're the starter, just <laughs> a teenager, and it's like, do you actually know what it is that you're saying? Because I don't know that you do. 
Um, and yeah, if I were him, I would almost take a little bit of offense to that because it's not like Andy Dalton has been this horrible, horrible quarterback for all his career. I mean, there's the, there's a band that you may or may not have heard of, Mike. It's called Bad, Bad, Not Good. And so it's like, I, I split that up basically into two. Andy Dalton is not bad, bad, but he's also not good. So I guess, you know, when you think about what Andy Dalton is right now and what he can be, it's not like anybody's expectations are going to be sky high and they shouldn't be. But I think that he could be okay and he can be middling, but it's not like he's taken a team to the playoffs for, I think, seven years now. I think the last time the Bengals made the playoffs was 2014. So I don't know. It's just, I think that he deserved the question you're talking as if you're the starter. What assurances do you have there? Because if he, if that question wasn't asked, how would we know that he would, he's had those assurances? By the way, Bad Bad Not Good is a Canadian instrumental music group and production team from Toronto, Ontario, founded in 2010 by bassist Chester Hansen, keyboardist Matthew Tavares, and drummer Alexander Sawinski. Who could forget the great <laughs> Alexander Sawinski? How dare you question my knowledge of bands I just heard of for the first time 90 seconds ago. We had the graphic up. Andy Dalton is better than the Bears. Andy Dalton has as many wins... He's got more wins. He's got 74 to the Bears, 73, and he's got 66 losses, and the Bears have 89. I'd say Andy Dalton's done pretty well for himself since 2011 in comparison to the Chicago Bears. He is the Chicago Bears, basically. I mean, I, I, granted that, you know, he, I guess he has fewer losses, a lot fewer losses, but if you just yeah, look 23 at the numbers, he, yeah. But if you look at the raw numbers, man, I mean, like the touchdowns, they're not too far off. He has fewer picks. I get the sacks a game is pretty much the same completion percentage. I mean, the, the the amount of wins, though, that's the striking thing to me, that they're just about the same. I don't know. I think he, prob he probably fits in better than we all have anticipated over the last day or two. Well, and, and, and again, that's why the bar's low. The guy went to five straight yeah. playoffs to start his career and... After that, 2016, 17, 18, 19 in Cincinnati, a lot of things went wrong. He didn't all of a sudden become a horrible quarterback, and they kept him until it all bottomed out in 2019, and they earned the number one overall pick, and then they're going to go with Joe Burrow. And we're, Unlike when they had Carson Palmer and kept John Kittner around, they decided instead of sitting Joe Burrow, we're going to throw him into the fray so we don't need Andy Dalton. So that was that. So I, I – there's there's just this strange malaise and disrespect as it relates to Andy Dalton and and that plays into the Bears' hands, I believe, for twenty twenty one. And back to that question, like who the hell's the starter if it's not Andy Dalton? They're paying the guy ten million dollars. Maybe that's why Dalton gave him the finger. Like how dumb are you? It's Nick Foles or me, and they're giving me ten million dollars. That tells people that this guy is is pegged currently atop the depth chart. He's the starter. And, you know, the money is what tells you the answer to your question, not anything that he was told privately by Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Ted Phillips, or anyone else. It, it, I think it's almost more, have you been told that you're going to be in a competition or are they just giving you the job outright? And I think probably more people would have at least expected that there would have been at least a show of uh, this is a competition rather than, you know, here, Andy Dalton, here's this quarterback. But uh, why? Quarterback why? We, why? I, I don't know, Mike. Why? I don't we all, know. We now, I finally admit that Nick Foles is a bad starter. The only way it works for Nick Foles, and I still think that it was in 2017, it was like this strange football slumdog millionaire thing where he just managed to thread every needle that he could one after another until he's holding the Super Bowl trophy. But when he's a starter, we, Sims and I talked about this yesterday. The Jaguars gave him four years, $88 million. It was a disaster. He became yeah. the starter last year. It was a disaster um, until he, you know, he disaster, hurt his butt like on Monday night against oh, with, a, the, the, with the Rams. The Rams which I, I watched yeah. all of those games. They were not very good. You know, the only good thing about that was Todd Gurley. And so that's what saved him back then. So no, I mean, I agree with you that he's not a good starter for whatever reason. He is Doug Peterson's muse. You know, it just works out 
when those two guys are together. And I think you know, we saw that even in 2018 when the Eagles had a chance to go down the field and beat the Saints down there in the Superdome. And maybe if Alshon Jeffrey catches that ball, then Carson Wentz would have been gone from you know uh, Philadelphia even longer or shorter, but much before he was. So I, I don't know. I, I think... I don't think Nick Foles is very good either. And I think that he's shown time and time again that he's not a viable starter. But I don't know. When it's Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, it's kind of like half a dozen half a dozen to one and six of the other, right? I don't I don't know. When when I uh think back to twenty fifteen and oh the Rams and Nick Foles, the one thing that impressed me more than anything else was his uncanny ability to make the football land on a spot of the field where no one else was around. <laughs> I, that, that's a skill. With that many guys out there, to actually put the ball and have it land in a spot where no one else is around, I, there should be some some reward for that. There should be something. It wow. should be like a rouge. You should get a point like in Canadian football. All right, Allen Robinson. And and I, I caught wind of this last night because Allen Robinson, the receiver who was franchise tagged, $17.9 million franchise tender, was adamant. Not signing it, not signing it. There was a report yesterday. Just because Chris Godwin signed it, Allen Robinson's not signed it. Somebody from ESPN checking the box. Got hey, I got a scoop. Chris Godwin signed. Allen Robinson's not signing there, boss. I got my scoop for the day. Oh wait, Allen Robinson signed. You know why he signed? Because they brought in Kenny Galladay on Wednesday night. Allen Robinson signs because he knows that hey, look around. He did. You, if they would remove the franchise tender, Miles. You think anybody's given Allen Robinson a one-year deal for $17.9 million? Hell no. He's not going to get that. He's not going to get anything close to that. He's not going to get an annual average close to that. So he does the smart thing. He does the only thing. He reverses course, signs the franchise tender last night at a time when the Bears may very well have been thinking about rescinding it. And in hindsight, shame on them, number one, for using it, and shame on them for not rescinding it once they realized how depressed the receiver market is this year. Well, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, why not just sign Kenny Galladay at that point? And, and you know what? You can give him a significantly less money probably than you would give, you're going to give now to Allen Robinson. And then you still have a pretty good wide receiver. Now, I, I think Robinson is better than Galladay. So I think that there's at least a chance that he would get a little bit more money than it appears that Kenny Galladay is going to end up receiving out there on the open market. But at the same time, yeah, I think you know, he did the smart thing in Allen Robinson by saying, all right, if that's the way you're going to play it, then this is the way I'm going to play it. And I'm going to lock in this money right now because I'm not going to be out here, you know, not making the amount of money that I thought I was going to make a couple of days ago, just because there's nobody really in this wide receiver market right now that actually is paying top dollar for receivers. And part of that is just, the loaded class that is coming in these in this draft for wide receivers and it just seems like it's been that way the last couple of years and i don't know maybe wide receivers are starting to go the way of running backs where it's almost like we can get a lower a lower cost option that might give us the same amount of production as we are going to get from this guy who's already been in the league and that could be really interesting for wide receivers coming up down the road um I, I, I'll give you a chance to guess, and this is this is non-binding. Oh, There's no stakes here. No, no, this isn't this isn't like No Country for Old Men. Call it heads or tails. Uh, guess what Kenny Galladay's looking for in annual value. Uh, you said it. I think at some point, and I don't remember what it is, but I wasn't it something like sixteen million, like fifteen point eight million. Eighteen and a half. That was a test as to whether or not what? you read my text messages. Eighteen and a half. You okay, were texting well, I mean, that last night. See, that's why I, I knew you said it. I got the numbers right. I just got them in the Man. wrong order. Uh, okay, uh. yeah. You 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 said saying I saying that I I know you said it, and then getting it wrong does not make it better. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Pop quiz. Last you, night, you, you, you're, you're, you're the old man at the store when Anton Sugar comes in and tells him to call it, although he called heads, you called tails, and, uh, and you know, that's what happens. You get your chance. All right, uh, I'm just eh. – look, folks, what we do is oh, well. we send text messages to each other saying, I'm getting this story, I'm getting this. And one, at one point last night I said, I'm going to post that Galladay wants $18.5 million a year. It wasn't intended to be a quiz. I just was curious <laughs> whether or not he remembered or paid attention 
whatsoever or cares whatsoever about the content that's being put on the website. All right, Akeem Hicks no longer cares to be in Chicago. They're trying to get him to take less money. He's been given permission to seek a trade. That one surprises me because we've seen over the past few years how fundamentally different the Bears' defense is when Hicks is on the field and when he's not on the field, and they're a heck of a lot better when Hicks is on the field. No, no doubt about it. And that's uh, one of these interesting things where I'm thinking now, how are the Bears going to be good if they continue to let the good players go? Uh, you know, so we're talking about Akeem Hicks right now, but we're going to talk about Kyle Fuller. It's another good player where if you're just saying, okay, because of the depressed cap, we've got to make some moves that are not going to be things that we really want to do, but they're things that we feel like we have to do in order to spread the money around and make um, our floor a little bit higher because we don't know exactly what our ceiling is, but we know that if we can spread this money around and use different resources, then that's how we're going to prevent ourselves from bottoming out. But when you still have somebody like Akeem Hicks, who is really, really good on the inside, I just don't know how much better you're going to be if you let that guy go. So it's one of these things where, yes, the Bears are in a situation where if he doesn't want to be there, then it probably behooves them to say, let's get something of value for Akeem Hicks because he can still be a good player. I mean, he had 21 quarterback hits last year, three and a half sacks. There's, There's value there for sure. But I, I just don't know how much I would want to get rid of a guy like that when, like you just said, Mike, we know what effect it has on the defense when he's not out there. Uh, Akeem Hicks is due to make $10.4 million this year, the last year of his contract. And as Matt Casey suggested, uh, it, it looks like Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller were the two starters that were offered by the Bears to the Seattle Seahawks as part of the Russell Wilson trade. Because remember, Dan Patrick said the other day it was three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two starters without naming the starters. But, yeah, this is what I said as it related to the Saints three weeks ago when Mark Rogers, Russell Wilson's agent, included New Orleans in the conversation. I said, look, you're going to have to move some guys anyway. This is perfect. You call up the Seahawks and you say, who do you want? And maybe they want some guys you're thinking about cutting. So maybe the Bears offer to Keem Hicks and Kyle Fuller. Hey, that's an impressive That's an impressive offer. And maybe both guys are going to end up being cut. Because as you mentioned, Fuller, who did a four-year offer sheet as a transition tag player in 2018 with the Packers. And then the Bears came in and matched it and kept him year four, non-guaranteed, $13 million or so, and Fuller going to be cut and uh that's that for Kyle Fuller and likely Akeem Hicks with that Chicago Bears defense and as you said how it's hard to be a playoff contender not that Fuller was great last year but just because you have one bad year doesn't mean all of a sudden you've forgotten how to play football and you better feel good about who you're replacing him with and apparently they do but cap space generated to the tune of eight figures by moving on from Kyle Fuller and it looks like that's what we're gonna they're gonna do unless you know, we see this from time to time, and we saw it with Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson with the Raiders recently. They get the word out the guy's going to be cut, and then all of a sudden the guy's traded because it puts it on the radar screens of other teams. Hey, we got a chance to go get this guy. I just don't think I don't think it's going to work here because I don't think anybody's going to trade for the Kyle Fuller contract, and I don't think Kyle Fuller has any reason to reduce his contract to facilitate a trade. Just get cut and go wherever you want to go. Absolutely. And and that's the thing, too. When you are about to get released and you have a chance to say, I, I'm going to hit free agency, I'm going to go where I want to go, then why would you reduce your contract? Because at least when you're on the open market, you can maybe get two teams in a bidding war for your services. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason why Kyle Fuller would reduce his contract to facilitate a trade unless there is one particular team that he just wants to go to for whatever reason, whether it's it, they give him a really good chance to win, it's home for him, something like that. But other than that, I don't see why he would do that because at least if you're on the open market, you might start a bidding war. Now that there's a guarantee of that, but the possibility that you might, that, that would be enough for me. The other side of it too, if a team does not have to trade for you, there's value in those draft picks being saved. So, you know, if a team has to give up a fifth-round pick, that's less money they're going to want to pay. So if you don't have to give that up, 
you can make the argument. You can give us a couple million more, whatever the case may be. One guy who will not be in Chicago this year, Mitchell Trubisky, the second overall pick in the 2017 draft. If you haven't heard, he was taken before Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Trubisky signs, and I was surprised by this because this is a clear backup job. This is no opportunity to start. There are not going to be any questions of Trubisky along those lines at his press conference. Trubisky signs with the Buffalo Bills to back up Josh Allen. Here is Bills GM Brandon Bean explaining the decision to target the former Bears starter. This is a reset for him, and we don't expect him to be here long term. This is a kind of a one year probably not in his plans uh, when he was drafted where he was, but we hope it's a great reset for him. Sean uses it, you know, make you be, you know, the best version of yourself here in Buffalo. And then, you know, hopefully in a year, he'll get a chance to go back and, and land uh, a nice contract and a, and a starting job somewhere. You know, we have no doubt that that'll happen, but we're excited to add him here in the mix. It's always hard to read demeanor, but I was watching Sean McDermott during all that. I don't know how all in he is with just squirmy and looking around and like, man, and, and we don't know what he was thinking about in that moment. But if he was thinking about Trubisky being the backup, he's thinking, man, we're screwed if we get to that. But I, I, I kid because Trubisky's been to the playoffs two of the last three years. Trubisky stabilized things last year for the Chicago Bears. He's not horrible. This It's just funny how these quarterbacks that – that end up being on teams that aren't superstar teams are just painted with this broad brush of you suck. And I don't think it's fair to Dalton. I don't think it's fair to Trubisky. They, they are above the you suck line. They're not Mahomes. They're not Watson. They're not Brady. They're not Rogers, but they're not the worst of the worst. They're not Blake Bortles. Sorry, Blake. But they're not, you know, the guys that you look at and say, oh, my gosh, why is he on the football field? Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Blake Bortles because that is the player that I thought of with this contract situation. Because in 2019, when the Rams signed Blake Bortles, part of the, the thought process was, well, he's got a lot of starting experience. You know, we think he can come in and at least be a viable option for Jared Goff if something happens to Jared Goff. And then, you know, we saw how the Rams quarterback situation turned out. But the, the, the thought was he comes in, he rehabs his image under Sean McVay, and maybe the next year he goes and he gets a starting job somewhere, or at least gets the chance to compete for it. And that's really exactly what Brandon Bean was talking about with Mitchell Trubisky. They don't necessarily expect him to be there long. They think that he can come in, at least be a viable option because of all the starting experience, because of the two playoff appearances that he's led the Bears to. So you think at least, you know, and he can run as well. So you think at least if, you know, heaven forbid something happens to Josh Allen, you're not going to be up a creek without a paddle. You're not going to have the same size paddle that you did before with Josh Allen, but you'll at least have something that can get you down the river a little bit until Josh Allen were to come back. Yeah, and when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen who is fearless, who takes hits, who is mobile, who could get injured, you need to feel good about the backup that you thrust into the fray. And Mitchell Trubisky, greater than sign, Matt Barkley. It's that simple. It's that simple. And you feel better with Trubisky as your insurance policy in the event that Josh Allen gets injured because we see it all the time. And I don't want to be accused of jinxing Josh Allen, but we see yeah, quarterbacks get hurt and it can happen. It happened quickly to, uh, to Dak Prescott last year. And so you need to be ready for it. And the Cowboys had Andy Dalton and not that it worked out for the Cowboys, but Dalton didn't embarrass himself and it helped Dalton get the $10 million he's going to get from the bears this year. We found a way to tie it all back and finish where we started. When we return the latest on the Deshaun Watson case, including some text messages that were released last night by the lawyer who now has nine clients who allege assault. And if this is the best evidence that the lawyer has, the lawyer may have some problems when it's time to prove his case. We'll talk about that next when PFT Live continues. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. 
we use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. As expected, the National Football League investigating Deshaun Watson in the aftermath of multiple lawsuits filed alleging assault during massage encounters. Attorney Tony Busby posting on social media the letter clearly marked confidential by Lisa Friel of the league office explaining that, number one, the investigation is launched. Number two, they would like the alleged victims to cooperate with the investigation. That's one of the great flaws and weaknesses of the NFL's in-house investigative process models. There's no way they can compel anyone to cooperate. And the fact that the letter was placed on social media by Busby, who has been very, very active on Instagram with his involvement in these cases, I suspect that, that he will encourage his clients to cooperate with the National Football League, unless, of course, there's a settlement. I don't know if it's too late for that, but if there's a settlement with an agreement to not talk about it, which is perfectly legitimate, it, it happens all the time, there's confidentiality provisions in settlements, there'd be no power for the NFL to talk to these people. There'd be nothing the NFL could do to Deshaun Watson. And with nine now that are signed up by Tony Busby, and Busby has said that seven lawsuits have been filed, we've seen three of them, there's going to be a press conference today. They all flow from these allegations of some level or degree of misconduct. And there are varying levels and degrees of alleged misconduct during private massage sessions. And Miles, as Sims and I were saying yesterday, the takeaway for every other professional athlete or anyone who has any assets that could be at risk, do not put yourself in these positions where it ultimately could be your word against someone else's word with no witnesses and no way to prove that your word is the true word. Yes, exactly. And that is why I think a lot of teams have masseuses set up in the training room, right? There are ways that this can happen through the team. And so that's part of why, because it helps uh, keep everybody protected from the masseuse, you know, who is in a situation that could potentially become uncomfortable just based on the way that professional athletes need to keep their bodies maintained. And then from the athlete's standpoint, where, you know, you are getting the protection of, yes, this is all above board. And this, because it is, you know, provided by the team, um, there is no way that something can possibly be misinterpreted. So, I think you're absolutely right. You, you have to make sure, you know, that you are protecting yourself. All parties need to make sure of that um, so that something like this cannot happen where there is some sort of alleged misconduct. And look, the reality is the more total alleged victims there are, the harder it is to convince the average person with with no predispositions with no opinions with no knowledge you just hear the numbers and at a certain point i don't know what the over under is but at a certain point the numbers overpower the individual denial 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 at a certain point there's too many to get the average person to say anything other than oh, oh that's this isn't good now that doesn't mean he did it and it's possible, it's possible at this point 
that he will prevail in every single one of these cases. And again, some cases stronger than others as it relates to the alleged misconduct. The first lawsuit filed, you could read it and you could say, even if all this is true, what what's the assault? Uh, the, the second lawsuit had some of that, that same element to it. The third lawsuit, a little more troubling, at least based on the allegations. Now, whether or not those allegations can be proven, that remains to be seen. And, and what it comes down to, it will be the testimony of Deshaun, assuming this goes all the way through to a trial, any of these, any summer, all of these nine, if they're finally all nine filed, apparently seven have been filed. And there's a press conference today where Tony Busby is going to talk about the case and give out copies of the complaints and show some text messages. More on that in a second. But you have the testimony of Deshaun Watson, the testimony of the alleged victim, presumably no other witnesses to any of these encounters, and then the only objective evidence, the only undeniable evidence, any text messages or other digital communications between the masseuses and Deshaun Watson. So last night there were two such messages, chains of messages released by Tony Busby, and my reaction was, if this is the best you got, these messages aren't going to help you. If anything, they're going to hurt you. If you think it's a smoking gun and it's not a smoking gun and you're touting this as a smoking gun, that makes your entire presentation less credible. And it makes the average person more inclined to believe the one who's being accused. And the best example, there's a, a text chain where Deshaun Watson asks the masseuse if she's comfortable with the glute area. And apparently that's that's the 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 reason why that's oh, are you comfortable with the glute area? Like that's some improper request. That's not an uncommon area for an athlete to need to have a massage. Sims talked about it yesterday before we knew anything about these text messages. That the, the groin and the glute area requires work, especially for a football player with all the crouching and moving and and you need those areas to be loosened up. And some masseuses are comfortable. Some are not. And he asked the question, are you comfortable? If anything, that's a text message that his lawyer would be releasing as proof that nothing happened. So I was blown away when that's the one. When you go to Tony, Dun uh, Tony Busby's inner uh, what's it called? Uh, Instagram, Instagram page, profile. Instaface yeah. profile, oh, smash face, as Bill Belichick would say. And uh, and you see that there. You look at it and you say, what are you what are you what are you doing here? Unless you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what goes on during a massage, which he possibly does and which possibly some of these novice masseuses have. There's there's nothing there that shows any wrongdoing. Yeah, that that's exactly what I thought too. Because ostensibly he's asking for consent there, and I think that's what everybody would encourage. You know, you want to make sure that everybody is comfortable with the way things are going to have to happen in a professional athlete's massage. And I think if you look at that other uh, series of texts, I mean, the only thing that's there is I apologize if you felt uncomfortable. It wasn't my intention. Now. That could be interpreted any number of ways, but I think it's the same sort of thing. It's not necessarily a smoking gun because what we don't know is, at least at this point, whether that second um, series of texts that was posted was before he sent the first series of texts, whether it was after, whether it was to the same person, you know, it, because they're ostensibly on two different platforms. That first series looked like they were Instagram DMs, and that second these are two different two like different people, from, two different people. Yeah, okay. The the so the, sec, like the second one, yeah, messages. right. The second one, the second one was, and I didn't notice this at first, and this is my own idiocy when it comes to Instagram that there can be a second page to it. Yes. When I clicked the button and saw the second one, it it refers to an allegation that was made in the first lawsuit where right. there was a text message after the fact where Watson apologized. And what he said is, sorry about you feeling uncomfortable. Never were the intentions. Let me know if you want to work in the future. My apologies. Now, again, in the context of a massage, which is an inherently intimate act, it, it, and, and there are certain things that you need to have massaged, and if you're not comfortable ahead of time, and and you and you find out during the massage the person isn't comfortable that that reasonably leads to that kind of exchange. So this isn't the classic apology that you would point to, you know, after a car accident. 
Oh, they apologize. They must be at fault. No, th- this is this is a reasonable in the context apology that would be made by someone who needed an area massage that the person providing the massage wasn't comfortable providing. It's it's that simple. Yes, it is. And so that's why this, as you were just saying, it, it's not the smoking gun that some might think it is just based on what the context is of a professional athlete's massage. And I think that's important to remember. Now, the other part of that is it, it also doesn't prove that he didn't do anything, right? So there, there's just sort of nothing that we can definitively say from these two uh, series of messages that Deshaun Watson sent uh, allegedly to these young women. So that, I But if that's what you're touting, if that's what you're touting, no, right. but, but that, what, what concerns me is if that's the best you've got, yeah. what are you doing? What do right. you do? What, why, why, are you, why are you making this big reveal and acting like it's a big deal uh, unless, the, unless he's just trying to reduce our expectations and then today at the press conference there's going to be text messages that are far more damning. But if this is consistent with what he's going to reveal today, I look at it and I say, this isn't what you think it is. And it is entirely possible that... Uh, Tony Busby has yet to develop the expertise necessary to understand what happens during the massage of a professional athlete. And I guarantee you this, number one, Deshaun Watson is not going to back down. Deshaun Watson will spend whatever money is necessary to defend himself. I think the point of a potential settlement is long gone, even if the plaintiffs at this point would still want one. Deshaun is girding for a fight. He's hired Rusty Harden, who has represented people like Adrian Peterson and Roger Clemens. And Deshaun Watson, I believe, as part of the money that will be spent on this on this defense, will include other people who have given him massages, people from the Texans, expert witnesses on what this all means and what happens during a massage and how certain things are normal and certain activities uh, are requested by professional athletes, and specifically that Deshaun Watson routinely has massages in the areas that that some may find uncomfortable, and that during the process of that massage, there may be incidental contact with uh, other things that aren't part of the massage. So again, like you said, none of this means he's innocent, but there's nothing that's been released yet that shows he's not. And, you know, the allegations in the complaint are just that. They will be subject to efforts to prove that they're not accurate, mistaken, embellished, fabricated, whatever. But uh, I come back to the fact that there are nine. It's still not going to be easy for Deshaun Watson to prove that nine different people are 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 wrong. But but here's where there's a benefit, Miles. Because it's one lawyer who's representing all of them. And it's obvious from his social media activity that this lawyer has a desire to get Deshaun Watson. If they can, in just one of those nine cases, just one, expose a big lie, expose a smoking gun that goes the other way, that causes all nine to crumble. And the first thing that I would do if I was the lawyer representing Deshaun Watson, is I would go into court with a motion to consolidate all nine cases into one. You don't want nine different bites at the apple. You don't want nine different chances. You want all or nothing. One case, let's go. Because then you only have to show that one is a complete and total liar if you can. And again, this is all part of the legal strategy. I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong. But if you get it all into one case... If one of those nine doesn't hold up, if one of those nine can be proven to be lying, you don't have to prove potentially that the other eight are because the whole the whole thing is tainted at that point. Yeah, one bad apple spoils the entire bunch. And, and that's why it is important, I think, from the legal strategy standpoint is to do exactly what you're saying. I mean, if you're Deshaun Watson, that you basically know that that's how you can uh, you can make your self look the absolute best because if that is the case where there is the big lie and you have one of these uh, alleged victims 
who is not, in fact, an alleged victim, and you know, you see all of these different things that come about, then yes, that is exactly how Deshaun should play this in terms of a legal strategy, because that is exactly how he's probably going to be seen best, at least in the public eye. Because when you're talking about the nine, you're exactly right. There's just, and you said it earlier in the segment, you know, what is the over under? Who knows? But when you get to a certain point, just by sheer numbers, it's almost hard to say, well, wait a minute, there must be something going on here. But that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Just because the quantity is up, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is something there. All right, let's take a break. When we return, there's definitely something there for the NFL, and it is in the form of a ton of money with new contracts from its various network partners, including a new one who will be taking over Thursday Night Football. We'll talk about that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. We had heard for weeks that the deals were coming. They're finally here. Let's start with the network that matters the most to us here on Peacock, and that is the National Football League will continue to be televised on Sunday nights by NBC. An 11-year extension plus expansion of Sunday Night Football through 2033 when I will be extremely old instead of just kind of old. NBC Sports presents for the next 13 Super Bowls. Kickoff game, Thanksgiving night, wild card, divisional playoff, awesome, great stuff. Oh, and 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 by, by the way, starting on Monday, uh, am I allowed to say that? Matt, am I allowed to say what's coming back on Monday? Can I say it? Okay, I'm going to wait. I don't want to jinx it, and uh, anybody out there who's been watching the show carefully probably knows what I'm talking about. But, Miles, these deals, all of them run through 2033, NBC Sunday Night Football, ABC, ESPN, Monday Night Football, AFC package on CBS, NFC package on Fox. Everything's the same. The only difference, Amazon, as of 2023, is going to slide in to the Thursday Night Football role. So if you don't live in the markets where those games are played, because they'll surely be televised there on a local network over the air for free, you're going to need Amazon Prime to see those Thursday night games, except for some of them that will be on NFL Network, as is currently the case with the the Fox games on Thursday night. So not much change, but one significant change in Thursday night. Yeah, that Thursday night change, I think, is pretty significant. And I think that a lot of people at this point are used to going to Amazon Prime to watch things on demand. But it's the one time that you're going there for a live football game that it's like, oh, I guess I'm doing this thing now. And we did that uh, in December where they had that one Saturday game between the Cardinals and the 49ers. And I thought that they did a good job with the game presentation. It was pretty easy to find because they had it splashed all over that front page there when you logged into the thing on your television. So I, I think that, look, it's, it's an interesting opportunity because at a certain point, in a couple years especially, probably more people are going to be streaming things on a day-to-day basis than are going to have cable, right? So at least if you have that now built into this series of contracts, the next series of contracts is going to be really interesting to see where exactly streaming goes. And it's going to be interesting to see where exactly streaming goes with uh, the Sunday ticket package in the next couple of years too. What do you have? What do you use? As, a, as the as the resident millennial, what do you use for TV? I use all kinds of things. I, I use Direct TV because I like to have an actual thing. But I'm not the I'm not the typical person because I know I know a lot of people who use YouTube TV. I have in the past used uh, the PlayStation View. RIP to that uh, streaming service because it was great because it had your NFL Network, your NBA TV, and all those and MLB Network. And I like watching live sports, right? And it's kind of an essential function for what it is that I do. Cause if I couldn't see games, Mike, I don't think you would be very happy with me. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that's what I use, but I think that I'm not really of that typical of a millennial just because of the way that my TV viewing habits are. And that's a good point. You need to have access to the Sunday ticket package when you're covering the NFL. I don't because I get it pumped into the studio when I'm here or otherwise I'm at NBC and we get to see the Sunday games there. So I have YouTube TV because I'm telling you, it's so much cheaper than direct TV and it's so easy to use and it's on all of your devices. And that's where the world's moving. And by the time we get to the end of these deals, 
yeah, streaming may have taken over for everything, and that's why the thing that fascinates me the most about these new packages, there's an out for the NFL, a one-time out. NBC announced in its statement seven years in, there's an out. I'm told they're not all lined up the same way. The different packages have different outs, but the NFL has the power to say, we're pulling the plug. And one of the reasons you put that power in there is so you can do it. And my guess right now, if I had to wager, it would be they're going to do it because the way the world continues to change, there will be more value, especially as gambling matures. When they get the technology to the point where you can do play-by-play in-game betting, the world will be very different. The money will be larger, and the NFL will be able to say we're willing to pull the plug here and pivot. Either you give us more than you were supposed to give us to stay, or we're going to take this somewhere else. And by the time we get to, whether it's seven or 11 years from now, the digital companies will, will, will be bigger, they'll have more money, they'll be more powerful, and I, you know, that, that may be where the ball's moving. Eventually what we may have is the Googles, the Amazons, the Netflixes, and whoever else is going to emerge may buy large rights or windows and then sell broadcast TV rights out of that to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. So I think that's the next move here, seven or 11 years down the road, Miles. Yeah, it's when you have that out in the contract, it's like a player having an out in a contract, right? You do it because you think at least a few years down the road, you're still going to be a productive player. And so when you put that opt-out in there, you're like, yeah, I'm going to maximize my value as much as I possibly can. It's exactly the same thing here. You know, I don't think anybody thinks that in seven years, the NFL is going to go kaput and like they're, 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 all of a sudden people aren't going to watch live sports. Like this is the one thing that people have to watch live. And so that's why Sunday Night Football has been the top rated program on television for as many years as it's been in a row because people have to watch that live. So I think that's not going to change in seven years, 11 years, whatever it is. If you want to watch these games, have to watch them live and see what exactly happens, especially if there's betting involved in it. And the end result is it gives the NFL the opportunity to create this, this sense of extreme security and stability while also having up its sleeve legitimately and permissibly the opportunity to pivot and get more money and maximize its value at some point down the road. we got a full hour still to come. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 